Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Chet Holmgren makes his decision. Stay tuned to hear our thoughts. My name is Sam Ferris, and you are Locked On the NBA Draft. As always, I am joined by my friend and my co-host, and of course, the other member of the Draft Dummies, co-host Cody. How's it going for you this afternoon? It's going really well. Excited about today's show. Uh, the first segment, we're going to compare uh, some prospects from last year's draft class to this year's. We'll do a little one-on-one comparison and say who we would like better as a prospect without the hindsight Uh, Segment two, we're going to do more of the same. And then segment three, we're going to talk about Chet Holmgren's decision, uh, Jalen Suggs' decision to go pro, and maybe what it means for Gonzaga next year. Yep. So in this first segment, the players that we're going to compare, and we're going to do this as prospects. So we're looking at Franz Wagner, the prospect this year, compared to Tyrese Halliburton, the prospect from last year, and then Kai Jones from this year versus Okongwu from last year as prospects. And again, we're looking at them as prospects, kind of as if we didn't have this sample size in the NBA for these guys. Of course, it's hard to block that out and not, you know, subliminally include that in your line of thinking. So we will acknowledge some ways that maybe uh, our opinions on them have changed or have affected how we view certain prospects, because it certainly is important to learn from things you've done well and done poorly as an evaluator in the past. Um, But let's start with Halliburton versus Wagner. And Cody, this is one I picked. And I think it's interesting because it's certainly not a one-to-one positional comparison between these two guys. But the point that I thought is kind of interesting is you can look at both of them as connector type pieces, right? Where neither of them, we're not expecting either to be a star on-ball creator, not really a high-usage guy, but more of a guy that facilitates offense, that makes his teammates better, and is also good defensively. We kind of call those, you know, glue guys or connector pieces. Um, But where do you want to start here comparing these two guys, Cody? Well, let's just give our short answers, if you want, on who we're taking. I'll just come out and say that this decision was not as hard for me, maybe, as it was for you. Uh, I'm going with Halliburton. I like kind of just his temperament and his basketball IQ a little bit better than Franz. Franz. I do like Franz, uh, but doesn't have as much of the it factor as Halley did for me. Yeah, I like that too. This one is really close for me. And we both liked Halliburton more than a lot of people. I think we had him kind of in that six to nine range on our boards, maybe even a little higher for you. But we did like him, and that's certainly one of our better evaluations from last class. I agree. I think he has the it factor. And on top of just kind of the it factor, I think he's certainly on another level as a passer, though for the size of Franz Wagner and kind of the position that he plays being a versatile forward. He is a good passer, but Halliburton was very, very, you know, not to the level of a LaMelo ball, 
but just one rung below that where very good for his position. And so I think that's a differentiator. Um, in terms of shooting the ball, Cody, where do you fall there uh, between Halliburton and Wagner? Well, this is one of the reasons I'm not as high on Wagner as most people. And I think he has a little bit of the reputation of a better shooter than he actually is. Over the last two years, he shot 32.5%. Now, I do think he is a better shooter than that percentage, but I don't think he's going to be a 38-plus uh, percent three-point shooter. I see him more the rich 36, 37, maybe, which is great, especially for his size and the versatility and all the other things he does. And I do think he'll be able to shoot the ball off the dribble uh, better than Halberton, but uh, I'm just not as high on his jump shot. Do you have any concerns with it? No, I just want to piggyback off of what you said in that I totally agree. And one of the things that we like to do as evaluators is to evaluate these guys in different contexts. And for both of these guys, we've gotten to see them in multiple different situations. For Halliburton, you know, now with the hindsight, we've seen him for the Kings. But before that, we saw two seasons at Iowa State, plus he got to play with the FIBA in the FIBA tournament under 19 with USA. So Cody, now looking at all three of those stops that he's made and, you know, adding up all his three point attempts over all those three different teams, he is now shooting almost 42 and a half percent on 508 attempts. That is very, very, very good. We talked about how on catch and shoot shots last year, he was basically the best shooter in college basketball and so that's a sample size where, you know, we can't take it 100% because we often talk about how you need close to 1,000 attempts to really buy the percentage. But it's a safe bet that Halliburton's going to be a 40% shooter moving forward, probably consistently every year. Whereas Wagner, to me, is not that level of a shooter. Uh, we have now two seasons of him playing at Michigan, plus a FIBA under 18 tournament. And he also played professionally in Germany before he came over. He played for Alba Berlin. So adding up all his three-point attempts for all those three teams that he played for, over his last 385 attempts, he is shooting 32.5%. So basically 10% lower than Halliburton. And that is a substantial difference. And I just think that to be that connector piece, to be that glue guy, Shooting is so valuable in the NBA. You can't really feel the lineup in the NBA with multiple non-shooters. And I'm not saying Wagner won't be a shooter, but Halliburton's a guy you can count on to shoot over 40% every season moving forward. Yeah, those are great numbers there. I'm pretty comfortable with the sample size. Of, uh, it's a funky shot. It was talked about a lot uh, before the draft last year, but he's shown that he can make it. And he's not going to be a Dame Lillard type ever off the dribble, but that's okay. He's really effective in his role. So with uh, the hindsight of Halliburton's NBA career, would that change your pick on these two? No, I don't think it'd change it at all. I think our evaluation of Halliburton was pretty accurate to what we've seen so far. I don't think he's ever going to be an all-star, but I think he is definitely a guy that can help both bad teams and really good teams. He's a guy that's versatile, that's scalable. You can use him on any team. Uh, he doesn't take anything off the table, but he certainly provides a lot of good attributes. Really what 
we evaluated him to be coming into the draft. And I think Wagner is similar. I just don't quite buy the shooting. I do prefer him a bit defensively to Halliburton. Um, But what about you in terms of hindsight, looking back on what we've seen from Halliburton so far? Uh, It doesn't change anything. I liked Halliburton better as a prospect and uh, with the start to his career this year. Uh, That definitely would not change my opinion. Okay, final question from me here on these two, Cody. Obviously, they don't, you know, the NBA is positionless. Uh, They don't necessarily guard the same guys out on the floor. But uh, do you value kind of Wagner's size for his position? I mean, Halliburton has good size too, but is that really a differentiator for you? Or do you not uh, value that much considering kind of the different players that they might be guarding? Yeah, it's a little bit of apples to oranges because, uh, like you said, it's not a one-to-one position comparison here. But I love Wagner's size. He moves really well for his size, too. But that just doesn't overcome all the other things. And like you said, Halliburton uh, is good on that end as well. So it really doesn't change much for me. And when we make these comparisons, it sounds like we might be putting down Franz Wagner a little but. It's just for the sake of comparison, and Halliburton was a really good prospect, and so is Wagner. Uh, I prefer Wagner defensively to Halliburton, and I love the passing and the playmaking and, and the facilitating for his size. And in this draft, I like Wagner in the 6-10 to 10 range, um, but I just like him slightly less as a prospect compared to Tyrese Halliburton. All righty. Well, let's move in to the second one here pretty quickly. Uh, that would be Kai Jones versus Onyeka Okongwu. As prospect, Sam, who would you like better and why? So this one is tough to not kind of include what we've seen in terms of the sample size from Okongwu. I was a, I was a guy who, as an evaluator, I was a little bit lower than the consensus on Okongwu, but I kind of let the consensus sway me and bring Okongwu up the board a little more than I should have, I believe. Um, so it's kind of hard to not include that uh, in my kind of rationale here. It's hard to block that out. Um, but I think Okongwu was certainly the more consistent and better college basketball player. To me, the question with Kai Jones is just to what extent do you buy the flashes? Because the flashes with Kai Jones are as spectacular as basically any prospect in this class. Um, from blocks with both hands to... Uh, you know, full court sprints where he's one of the fastest big men I think I've ever seen to just the body control and the handle for his size. Uh, He didn't necessarily put it all together for 40 minutes a game, every game. But Cody, I guess to what extent do you buy these flashes from Kai Jones? Well, I love the flashes, but yeah, he only played about 22 minutes per game this year. Uh, But he's going to be a project player and there's so much to like with those flashes with, yeah, the three point shooting upside and the movement skills for his size, the athleticism, the speed, uh, the lateral quickness guarding on the perimeter. Uh, however, I think if I'm looking at both of these guys as prospects, uh, a Kongu just had so much more production playing about 30 minutes per game. And for those of us that covered last year's draft, like we've seen the film with him, uh, just the motor and the rebounding and the defense. There's no doubt in my mind that Okongwu would have been uh, or is uh, the better prospect when they're both at that stage. 
but this one is a little different when you consider the hindsight for me. Yeah, and one thing that sticks out to me is just the value of positional size. And we saw Okongwu have difficulties with bigger guys like Isaiah Stewart, for example, in college. And that's translated to the NBA where when you just see him out on the court, he almost looks like more of a wing than a center. He just doesn't look that big. And that's kind of disappointing to me. And it's it's just something you you notice when you see them out on the court against other actual NBA athletes for the first time. So in terms of the physical specimen and the flashes, I really like Kai Jones and I prefer him. But yeah, it's that question of consistency where you look at the whole course of the year and Kai Jones actually, Texas was worse with him on the court versus off the court this year. And that's not really something that I factor too much into my evaluation. It's just kind of presenting the data uh, in the final game of the tournament when Texas was eliminated by Abilene Christian. Uh, they they pulled Kai Jones off the floor. He didn't close for them. It's things like that where the coach didn't quite trust him to the full extent in big moments. But, you know, I, I still love the flashes and I, I buy upside with guys in the draft. So I'm fine still taking Kai Jones in the top 10. Yeah, for hindsight for me, I think this is one that changes. Uh, like I said, I'd take in Yeka if I'm being honest with myself about both of them as prospects if they're the same year. But in hindsight now, watching Onyeka, he just doesn't look as quick and as explosive, and his motor doesn't look nearly as high so far. I still think he can turn things around, obviously. He's only a rookie. I just want to see more like Chris, Chris Boucher out of him and less like 2021 DeAndre Jordan, where it's a lot of standing and uh, low motor. So hopefully he can turn it around. But looking at it in hindsight, Kai Jones is... Uh, kind of hard to turn down. Yeah, same for me here. Uh, a year ago, I would have taken Okongwu. Now I would take Kai Jones. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about a couple different wing comparisons, Vassell versus Moody and Pat Will versus Jonathan Kaminga. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Locked On has partnered with Michelob Ultra to bring you the Ultra Player of the Week. And because we're a draft podcast, we're going to pick the top rookie for our Ultra Player of the Week. Michelob believes joy creates success, and this week's winner is Devin Vassell. He had a career-high 18 points on 7 of 9 shooting and 4 of 6 from 3-point land. He brings it defensively every night. Uh, Michelob has some of their own stats at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories per bottle. Uh, it's only worth it if you enjoy it this year or this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, Devin Bissell. The Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news and stay tuned for more info about our live NFL Draft coverage. All right, Sam. That was a little tease there for the uh, NFL draft, which we have a lot of respect for those guys. Be sure to check them out. They're doing a great job. Uh, Locked On is covering it very well. Now let's get back to the NBA here, and we're going to play a little pick em with Moses Moody and Devin Vassell as prospects. Where do you want to start here? Let's start with Vassell versus Moody and I guess let's give our answers first. To me, this is the clearest one out of all four. 
though I do like Moses Moody as a prospect, I clearly do prefer, even with the hindsight now, I clearly prefer Devin Vassell over Moses Moody. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I like Vassell much better as a prospect. He was number one on my board last year uh, for people that haven't tuned in. And I, watching him hindsight so far this year, I still think he's going to be a really, really good two-way player four or five years down the road when he starts getting more opportunity. So uh, I go Vassell here pretty comfortably, honestly. So let's start with the obvious here in the comparison. I think Vassell is clearly the better defensive prospect. He was a very good steals and blocks guy in college. And on top of that, when you watch the film, his activity just leapt off the screen. Uh, He got his hands on everything, and the rotations were beautiful. It was a very—his defense, both on ball but especially off the ball, was something that was pretty easy for me to project as a team defender to the next level. And what do you know so far? He's third among wings in the entire NBA in stock percentage if you add both the steal percent and block percent together. Third in NBA among wings behind Thibel and Jimmy Butler. So that has been the case so far. But Cody, you had him number one on your board. So in terms of the offense between Moses Moody and Devin Vassell, uh, I guess first with Vassell, was it the scalability and versatility of Vassell that you liked more? Or was it kind of the hints at self-creation that led you to having him number one on your board? Uh, I think it was a combination of his uh, defensive prowess and yeah, and then the flashes he's shown on the offensive end. Uh, he was a great three-point shooter. I think it was 39.9%, if I remember correctly. So hovering around 40%. That is there. He's shooting around 40% already this year from the NBA three. And he has shown flashes of being able to put the ball on the deck and get to his spots. He makes nice turnaround mid-range jumpers. Uh, I think his playmaking was very underrated in that Florida State offense. I think he can do a little bit more creating for others than uh, the amount of opportunities he had. So I just I really like Devin Vassell. Like I said, I think he's going to develop into a great two-way NBA player. And as much as I like Moses Moody kind of as a three and D guy, uh, Vassell in my mind just does everything a little bit better. And as much as I like Moody defensively, there's just different levels to this. And Vassell's defensive IQ is just on that top level where not a lot of guys get to. So like I said, a pretty easy decision for me. Yeah, there's definitely different levels to get to here. And on top of the feel and the IQ Vassell had, just his coverage uh, with his movement ability and also the wingspan was better than Moody. Like Moody is a big wing. He is pretty large and he's got long arms for sure. But the lack of real high-end athleticism does kind of hurt his ceiling, in my opinion, both offensively and defensively. And yeah, I loved the hints at Vassell's shot creation We often talked about how much he improved there in terms of efficiency and volume from his freshman to sophomore year, pulling up and hitting jumpers off the bounce. Uh, He loves that like half spin into the step back. And we've seen that in the the NBA and I'm still confident in it. Uh, In terms of Moses Moody offensively, I definitely buy the jump shot. I think he's going to be one of the best shooters in this draft class. The athleticism does hurt him in terms of, really 
having a very valuable ceiling. Um, I also do like the hints at self-creation that he has. He's shown the ability to hit pull-up jumpers off the bounce too, but I would just pretty much agree with you that it's like 5 to 10% worse kind of across the board looking at Moody compared to Devin Vassell for me as well. All right, so no changes there with the hindsight, I'm assuming, as well with Vassell so far as rookie year. No, no changes at all. He's been good defensively, and it was funny. Uh, he had a breakout game last week where he scored his career high, and that morning I posted on Twitter you know, saying that I want to see more minutes. He's produced when he's gotten a chance. It's just been a tough year for rookies uh, having little to no training camp, no practice, not being able to spend as much time with the team and obviously with COVID throughout the year. But he's played well in the minutes, and we've seen the the flashes of creation as well. So I, I have not changed my evaluation on him at all. All righty. Let's move into our other wing comparison here, and that is Patrick Williams versus Jonathan Kaminga. Where do you want to start on this one? So I'll start with I had Patrick Williams too low, and he is the guy that I would, I would move up probably the most in terms of if I had a chance to kind of redo some of my board from last year. Uh, it's just looked a lot better than I expected right off the bat. And I did kind of come around towards the end on him, but it's hard not to include kind of the hindsight of what we've seen from him as a bull. And he hasn't even been spectacular statistically by really any means, but the flashes are pretty spectacular. And I really buy him being a high-level defensive player and he's shown some flashes of creation it just feels like Cody the base is really there in terms of a big wing with feel and skill that has a chance to reach kind of a potential star level outcome with him yeah I am kind of with you exactly there's no doubt in my mind uh, that I would go with Kaminga as prospects I was a little bit lower on Patrick Williams compared to the people that had him you know top seven in the lottery uh, Kaminga definitely would be my pick as prospects, but this is one where I think hindsight does change my pick. Uh, like you said, Patrick Williams uh, has shown that he has that feel and he has the perimeter game to be a big wing at the NBA level. So far this year, he's slashing 48, 76% shooting. Uh, and he is just going to be in my opinion just one of those like star role players just an absolute stud glue guy uh absolute you know amazing teammate and so i think he's really gonna move the needle for some nba teams not necessarily as a number one or number two option but just as a world-class uh, role player that really fills in uh wherever the team needs so i really really am liking pat will so far so hindsight i think i would change it but if I'm being honest, uh, as prospects, Kaminga for sure, because I was a little bit too low on Patrick Williams. Yeah, and I think he will be a good glue kind of role player, but he does have some star equity or upside he could hit with that athleticism, and he's shown a really nice mid-range pull-up. You know, he if he can hit that consistently and gets the reps there, that is a type of scoring that defenses will have a hard time taking away with his size and athleticism. And I talked about this before, but I had the chance to interview or be a part of a media interview with Patrick Williams before he went into the draft. And that did change some of my opinion on him and and led me to move him back up my board a bit because 
he was so humble and such a good dude. You just could tell. And he didn't like talking about himself. But when he got the chance to talk about his teammates, he absolutely lit up. And he that was the time you got to see him smile. And you can tell he's there for the right reasons. And he's going to be a fantastic teammate. So I expect him to reach kind of whatever his potential might be. And that's another reason I really like him. But let's get into a little bit of Kaminga, Cody. In terms of their physical profile, it's pretty similar. I like them both a lot in terms of the size. Big wings and certainly both very good athletes. Uh, where are you kind of on Kaminga in the next couple minutes that we have to touch on him? So I really like Kaminga. Like you said, uh, he's got great size, great athleticism. He moves really well. I do want to see his jump shot mechanics and his dribbling, his handle kind of tighten up a bit. But I think that'll get there as he just gets more and more perimeter reps. Uh, but the shooting is a real concern. He slashed 38% from the field, 24 from three, and 62 uh, from the line. So that's a concern. I will say uh, if he tightens up that stroke, I think he's got a great base to his jump shot, and I think he can be an effective shooter. He's just going to have to work uh, and like refine his skills a lot. Yeah, I don't know how much I really can buy the shooting either. I don't think he necessarily has great touch. I guess the way I would describe Kaminga, and I am a little bit lower on him than the consensus, he's definitely not going to be in my top five. He's a little robotic to me, both in terms of his athleticism, though it is very good, uh, but also in terms of his decision-making and his feel for the game, where when he gets into a move, you can tell if he's going to pass or going to shoot. Um, and, and in that way, I don't like one-to-one -one comparisons at all, but he reminds me a bit of a Harrison Barnes, where I don't know if he's going to end up shooting as well as Harrison Barnes, but Harrison Barnes was a guy who on paper made all the sense in the world, and he is a good player, but he just never really made kind of the he, – he didn't really dig into the details of being a great basketball player. He didn't make the small plays that really contribute to winning. Uh, he wasn't a great decision maker. If he got the ball in the midrange, you knew kind of a shot was going up. And so it's just kind of those robotic-type feel that he has to his game that I think is kind of similar to a Harrison Barnes, for example. So I don't, you know, if Kaminga doesn't really have that good of touch and he's not a great decision maker, then he's not really a guy I want to be a high usage guy for me. And I just don't really know how valuable of a role player he'll be either. So it's kind of a tricky, uh, tricky task I have placing him on my board because you certainly cannot teach his athleticism and his size but when you dig into his game, I just don't know how exactly he's going to fit in and what kind of usage I'd really want from him. Yeah, another guy that comes to mind for me is Harry Giles, where it just there's a lot to like, but they just don't quite put it together uh, to contribute to winning basketball. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, he's got the tools, but you need kind of those intangibles, that feel, and just that role player mentality to kind of put it together. And I'm not completely sure that Kaminga has that either. Uh, so some interesting kind of comparisons more so for the mentality than of course the player. Uh, I still, you know, I like him less than the consensus. He won't be a top five, but I can't move down too far on my board, that level of athleticism and that level 
of, of size on the wing. It's just too valuable in the NBA. Yeah, so this is certainly a case where hindsight with Pat Will going forward as of today, Sam and I would both way rather have Pat Will, I think, uh, than Kaminga. Yep, certainly. Um, so coming up next, we're going to talk about Chet Holmgren, who committed to Gonzaga, and also Jalen Suggs. So kind of a mini Gonzaga uh, segment coming up next. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I'm not a guy that likes to eat protein bars too often, but I do prefer Built Bars. I like how they're covered in chocolate. I like how they have a variety of selections in terms of the flavors they have. They've got flavors that I really like, like cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, and others. Uh, So they taste really good, but on top of that, I'm pretty health conscious. And so they are great for health conscious guys like Cody and I can help you either maintain or lose weight if you're trying to. And because you are listening to our podcast, we have a, a promo code for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, football, college, basketball, that's all over, but NBA and NHL are still in full swing. And Bet Online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Uh, they have real-time updated odds and props on pretty much anything you can imagine. Uh, it's got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Uh, Bet Online is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to their website, use your phone, use promo code Locked On, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today through the 26th. Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Lockdown and Odyssey featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaCanfera, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. All righty, let's get into our third segment here. And we're going to talk briefly about Chet Holmgren and his decision to come to Gonzaga. Gonzaga did open up as the favorites, the Vegas favorites, to win uh, the championship next year. The commitment from Chet is only going to improve those odds. And then also today, Jalen Suggs announced, uh, no surprise, that he will be going pro. Sam, what are some of your thoughts about Holmgren and Gonzaga for next year? My thoughts are that Jalen Suggs' experience at Gonzaga certainly had to play a massive impact in Chet Holmgren ending up at Gonzaga. Uh, I think Gonzaga has just become a place where guys are going to consider going, even the very top prospects, as we've seen. Uh, I think Jalen Suggs was placed in a perfect environment to succeed this year where within that motion offense, Gonzaga played a ton in transition. It really helped to emphasize his strengths, Cody, and also kind of he didn't have to do too many things that might have shown a couple of the more negative or maybe uh, 
improvement areas of Jalen Suggs. To me, those areas for Suggs are kind of the handle, you know, the ability to play in traffic and just straight one-on-one iso ball. Gonzaga does a great job, again, playing in transition and just playing in pick and roll and constant movement offensively. So I think they're a great situation where guys can go play with a mix of really good young players, but also guys that have been there a couple years in a great offensive system that's proven they'll get a chance to play some really good teams to start the year, but also have, you know, some cupcake games where they can really show off their skills. So I think it's just a situation that really makes sense for a lot of guys like this. And I'm sure Jalen Suggs had great things to say and really helped uh, Chet Holmgren end up at Gonzaga. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Suggs and Holmgren played high school ball together. They've known each other for a long time from the same part of Minnesota. So you would have to think that was a huge factor in Chet's decision. I'm sure, like you said, Jalen only had positive things to say. Had a great year. He's going to be a top three pick for... from what it seems like. So, yeah, it's it's a great signing for Gonzaga, number one overall player in the country. Early on, Sam, he's yet to play a college game. How do you like Chet as a pro? Uh, I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, let's start with kind of, I mean, this will answer kind of how good I think of him as a pro, but let's start with how he's going to fit in at Gonzaga, Cody. We don't necessarily know if Drew Timmy is coming back, but if he is, I think you could argue that Drew Timmy will be the best player in college basketball next year. It's certainly an argument you could make after what he did this past season. Uh, With that being said, he does have some weaknesses. One inherently being that he's a big, right? So he does rely on other guys to get him the ball at times. And two, you can take advantage of him defensively which we saw finally in the championship game against Baylor, where they got him in, in an island, isolated him and scored on him a lot, and he couldn't really protect the rim that well either. Uh, but Chet Holmgren, you talk to guys that watch a lot of high school basketball, people will argue and say that he might be one of the best rim protectors they've seen. So I love that fit with he and Drew Timmy paired together kind of in that front court. Uh, for Gonzaga, I think they're just going to absolutely dominate people if if Timmy does come back. Yeah, of course, Joel Ayayi uh, turned pro. I doubt he'll come back. He does have another year of eligibility. Uh, but they they also signed Hunter Salas. Uh, so, yeah, they have going to be loaded again with talent. And like you said, Holmgren compliments Timmy so well. Uh, Chet, he's one of the best high school rim protectors we've seen since Anthony Davis. He just has a knack for the ball, and he has such great uh, length and mobility defensively. It really would be kind of a a match made in heaven for them because he can stretch the floor and shoot threes and let Timmy work in the paint too. Uh, So, yeah, it would be a great fit for them. Uh, Like I said, I think the odds – are going to improve now that they've signed him as being the uh, national title favorites. Yeah, on top of, yeah, we talked about the rim protection. He's got the physical tools, but the timing and the ability to just stay vertical is spectacular. I, I have not seen many guys, like you said, since Anthony Davis at all that can do that. But then you combine that with the versatility offensively where he's playing on the perimeter It's like he's not going to be KD, but in terms of kind of that player type where he's on the perimeter, he's got the handles, 
He's got that skinny frame. A lot of times with guys that age, you know, we love the projection, but a lot of it will end up being what happens with their body over the next five years because they're still growing. They're still maturing. The same thing kind of with Poku that we talked about last year where we love the mentality. We love the tools, both physically and the mental kind of toolbox that these guys have. Uh, And I certainly like Chet more than I did Poku, but I was a massive Poku fan last year. Yeah, I mean, Chet is a baller. He's a freaking dominant force defensively, and he's got an awesome tool bag offensively as well. Not much to not like about him, but we will kind of have to see where his body goes kind of over the next five years. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a competitor, too. He's a guy that really gets after it. He plays with passion. So should be fun to watch him next year as a part of that next draft class. Well, you have any other thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I don't think so. Cody, do you think, uh, well, do you have, we talked about Jalen Suggs leaving. Do you have him as a top three guy? And do you think he'll end up going top three? I guess the guys to consider there would obviously be Cade. And then Mobley, I think, will go two. And then Jalen Green will be in that that conversation as well. So I kind of think it's going to be between Green and, and Suggs at three, four. Yeah, so... My those are the top four for sure. And as of now, I think I'm leaning towards Jalen Green at number two. Uh, but we'll see things change. But yeah, Suggs, uh, we like kind of the Drew Holiday comparison where we think he can be an average or even a slightly above average three point shooter. But he's going to be a bulldog defensively. He's a good teammate, a high motor. He's a good good creator and he's going to be able to get to the rim in that uh, space and pace in the NBA. But Yeah, he's certainly top four for me. We'll see how it shakes out by the time the draft comes. Well, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, Go ahead and reach out to us and let us know. You know, we talked about four different comparisons comparing guys this year in the draft compared to last year. Let us know where you fall kind of on these comparisons between these prospects. I thought it was really fun to do and kind of to maybe reevaluate how we did on some of these guys last year and compare them to guys moving forward again follow us at draft dummies on twitter and listen to the other locked on nba draft hosts wherever you get your podcast yeah thank you for listening we'll see you guys next time